Praise God. Amen. Welcome to everyone tonight. If you're a guest visiting, worshiping with us for the first time, we welcome you this evening. We bless you. Thank you for being here. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. If you've got, I haven't had a chance to preach here in the couple of Sunday nights. The Lord has been doing other things, but tonight I feel released to do it. So we're going to just follow the Lord. First Kings chapter 19. First Kings 19. Brother David, give me just a touch more monitor if you could. First Kings chapter 19. And go down with me to verse number 19. 19, 19. So he departed thence and found, this is Elijah, speaking of Elijah. And he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he with the 12th, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. He left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me pray, let me, I pray thee, kiss my mother and my father, and I will follow thee. And he said to them, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered to him. Tonight for a few moments I want to talk about this thought in our mind. Break time or breakthrough. Do we need a break time or do we really need a breakthrough? God bless you. You can be seated. If you ever want to read some pretty amazing passages of scripture, I would suggest and challenge you to go into the book of Kings and read the story in the life of Elijah and how that transitioned into the life of Elisha. And we find that just before this began to take place, that Elijah had one of the greatest showdowns in all of the Bible. One man versus 450 prophets. And the story, which I don't have time to go into tonight, it was fascinating. And they had this standoff. And uh, and uh, it's actually, if, if it's quite humorous. The Bible actually can be funny. And this exchange that takes place between Elijah and the prophets of Baal actually has some quite comical moments in it as Elijah taunts these 450 prophets and it goes back and forth and we see these things go on and Elijah was a fascinating man a little 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 nutty little crazy but you got to be a little nutty and crazy to follow God okay you got to be a little you, 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 because so much of what God has and so much of what God what God does doesn't equate into the natural mind if you want to do things for God and you want everything to make sense, it's never going to make sense. God's never going to do everything that you're going to go, oh, I understand why you're doing this. Oh, that makes sense. And so that's why if you look in the Bible, God uses people that aren't exactly the most perfect he uses some people that are little that have issues because he uses people that 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 aren't perfect in all their ways because they're not trying to do everything perfectly. He picked a Peter that had an anger problem. He picked a Paul who who was a murderer. He 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 picked some people. He he picked uh, uh, people that you would not normally pick out of the crowd because there's some things that God does that just doesn't make sense and equate and 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 and, and there's things about God that that uh, uh, you're never going to really figure out and so we find this for a man to stand before 450 prophets and uh, to have the boldness to speak these words and then a little farther down in 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 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 46 put it up there cuz you won't believe it unless you see it watch this it says this, the hand of the Lord was on Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. 
If you read that, Ahab was on a chariot. And Elijah outran a chariot with no Nikes. No, no tennis shoes. He outran a chariot. But did you get that? He outran a chariot. And you see, if you really want to live in the prophetic, if you really want to live in, in, in the realm where God moves, in the realm of the supernatural, in the realm of the prophetic, there are things that happen that you can't truly explain. Because the problem is, when you move in the supernatural, you will feel things and experience things that you don't understand at the moment, but you will only understand as time passes. If you want everything to make sense, you will never be able to truly live in the supernatural. This is not where we're going right now, but I'm just teaching for a moment. Because we are a supernatural church we believe in the move of the supernatural we believe in the power of god the prophetic and the supernatural that's what we believe in amen we believe in the move of the supernatural but the problem with that is the supernatural will manifest itself but sometimes you don't understand what is going on and your mind doesn't equate all that's happening but in your spirit you can feel something moving and it won't be until down the road that you look back and go oh I understand what happened I'll give you a perfect illustration. Some of you will know this, some of you won't. I call it the wax on, wax off of spiritual ministry. Have you ever seen the movie The Karate Kid? The Karate Kid was this young boy who wanted to learn how to do karate. So he, 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 he found this teacher. And the teacher, he's expecting a teacher who knew all kinds of ways to fight and was a very skilled master. He found the man and he was expecting the man to teach him. And so when he, when he went to the master and, and asked for his help, his first assignment was he was to wax on and wax off. I believe it was the, the walkway or the car, one of the ones, the car. See, I knew we had some movie. Don't, don't act all spiritual. I know what y'all be doing on Saturday night. And so he was, to wa- he was to wax on and wax off the car. He didn't want to do it. He wanted to learn how to fight. He thought the whole thing was just a waste of time. He thought everything he was doing was pointless. He thought he was just being pacified. He thought what was happening was simply a way to just get rid of him. And he was doing it. Wax on, wax off. And then later he got finished of all that. And the master said, what's next? Can we learn to fight? He says, paint the fence. He's like, I don't want to paint the fence. He said, paint the fence. And he made him paint the fence. And he made him go up and down. And he said, I don't want to go up and down. I want to learn to fight. And finally, the master looked at the boy and said, let me show you what I'm doing. And he said, he told him, stand there. He said, wax on, wax off. And he didn't realize that the motions he was trying to do that seemed so repetitive and so out of context were actually teaching him the ways in order to fight, but it didn't understand it because it was moving in a way that he did not grasp. And sometimes God, we're expecting God to move. We're expecting God to take us into areas that we're desiring. And we're expecting it all to come down. And next thing you know, we can quote the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And we know everything. And next thing you know, God says, wax on, wax off. I don't want to wax on, God. I don't want to wax off. We want to pray, God, you know, we all pray this prayer, right? God, whatever you've got to do, use me. Oh, God, use me. I want to be used of you. Do you know what you're praying? And the point of the matter is, here's what happens, right? We're just having some fun tonight. What's the point of having notes? This is what usually we think. Oh, God, use me. And we think we go from here straight up here. God, you're using me. But we don't realize that usually God's way of doing things is we go from, oh, God, use me. It's not a climb of elevation, but it's a. Wait a minute, God. I ask you to use me. 
Oh, wait a minute, God. I was expecting you to, to elevate me. And he's saying, I am elevating you. Wait a minute. Why, if, I'm, if you're going to use me, why are you putting me in what I'm going through? I said it before, I say it again because some of you still don't get it. Every time you go to a new level, you always go through a crisis of faith. You will always go through a crisis of faith as God transitions you to another place. It will always happen. It will always, 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 always happen. It's the development of what's going on inside of you. And when we understand sometimes in our natural brain, it doesn't equate how God really is working because we're expecting God to do something awesome. But yet we find ourselves in moments of frustration. We find ourselves in moments of difficulty. We find ourselves coming to church and we're frustrated because we're expecting God to flow. And yet there's all this stuff that's boiling up in our flesh. And we're wondering, God, what are you doing? We all of a sudden we pray God Whatever you've got to do Save me Whatever you've got to do Work on me And all of a sudden now Stuff we haven't dealt with in years Starts to bubble up We thought we got over that anger issue years ago. I thought I got over that hurt years ago. I thought I got over that pain and difficulty and that regret and that shame years ago. Why, God, are you bringing this back? Because you asked. You wanted to go this way and you're going that way. But in order to get there, sometimes God has to do things in you that you don't understand at this moment. We're trying to teach our kids at this point in time that when we, because, you know, it's, 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 it's the, 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 the curiosity of kids. I don't know if curiosity is the right word, but it's just the way kids are. You say, do this, and their first reaction is, but why? And we're trying to teach our kids, we don't have to give you a reason. We're not trying, if, you, if that's not your parenting skills, fine. I'm not, you're, you do what you do, we do what we do. But one of the reasons why we're doing that is because we don't want them to grow up and expect God to always give them an answer. We're trying to teach them now sometimes God's going to give you instructions, but he's not going to give you the why. And if you always seek for the why, you're going to live frustrated living for God. Some of you in this place tonight, you're frustrated because you thought you were heading that way. But it seems as if you're going that way and you're thinking, okay, God, where did I miss it? You have not missed it at all. And you come to church and you're frustrated because you're, you're dealing with all this stuff inside of you. All this stuff you thought you'd gotten over. All this stuff you thought you'd dealt with. All of a sudden now you thought you'd be on cloud nine. But yet it feels like you're living on the doorstep of hell. And you're thinking, God, what is going on? Where did I miss it? You have not missed it. But you've got to be willing to do something. And the reason I read this scripture tonight was because Elisha did something when he made up his mind that he was going to follow Elijah when he felt the pool of God's Spirit in his life and he felt the pool and the call to follow after God. He did something that we must do. He burnt all the ways of exit. There were no bridges left. There was nothing to go back to. Can I be honest with you? Every once in a while I can feel it. There may just be one or two. I don't know. I don't think it's more than that. Every once in a while there's a little bit of this attitude that pops out. Why can't we just go back to the way things used to be? No, 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 no. We've got to burn some bridges. There is no going back. When you follow God, you've got to be willing to sell out whatever God you want to do, whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. That's what I want. I am a student of history. Most of you, I've talked about this enough that most of you know this. I'm a student of history and one of the things that I have, I don't know where I got the passion for it. It started when I was really young, when I was 10, 11, 12. And, and uh, outside of probably the Bible, it's the thing I've studied the most in my life. And I got a 
a passion when I was a young boy to study the history of World War II and, and I was fascinated by it and I watched and read as much as I could get my hands on and even to this day, uh, I, my, my, I, I, I collect, I, I record all these documentaries and when my wife is not around because I know it bores her to death, she does a good job at, at putting up with it. I, I, just, I still to this day am constantly just watching and learning more stuff. But when the Allies decided to invade Germany and we had, we had uh, been pushed, everything had been pushed and Hitler had, had gained control of all of Europe, the western, the western part of Europe and it was the, the, the Russians were fighting on the eastern side and, 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 and the only stronghold that we had left uh, on the western part uh, of, of Europe was Great Britain. And, and the Allies began to amass a great army uh, beginning in 1943 on Great Britain. And eventually in June, June of 1944, you've heard it, at least in history somewhere along the line, you've heard the term, it was D-Day. And D-Day was simply the day that uh, the Allies, the lar- one of the largest invasion fleets in the history of the world, uh, crossed the English Channel and landed on the beach of Normandy. And, 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 and even though there were quite a, a number of casualties after, it didn't take very long for them to establish in just a few days a pretty significant hold, a foothold on the beaches of Normandy. But what they did not realize and, and it really did not show from the pictures above, they didn't have quite the, the, the technology that we have today even though they had some pretty decent pictures that didn't show quite the depth of it. Just past the beaches what was called the hedgerows. And the hedgerows were simply, they, they dated back to the Roman times and, and, and they were these mounds of, of, of just dense foliage that were created over time that people used to mark their fields or their property line. And literally, they were so thick that we could have an army here and just... 30 feet on the other side, there could be a whole other army and you wouldn't even know they're there because that's how thick these things were. And so the allies, with all of what they had and all that they threw, were able to find a foothold just on the beaches. But it began to be day after day and then it turned into week after week. And for week upon weeks, literally they fought from field to field. It was literally fighting from field to field. There were days that they only made up maybe a kilometer, half a kilometer of ground because there was so much density. It was such a hard fight. And there came a point in time that the generals knew something and they made a decision. If we don't break through these hedgerows, eventually we will get pushed back into the sea. And we either have to break through because we can't stay where we are. You see, just because they showed up on the beach did not make the enemy stop fighting. Just because they showed up on the side with all their tanks and all their men and all their trucks and all their supplies did not mean the enemy said, well, they're here now. Let's just go back, boys. And all of a sudden, they began to fight, and there was men dying, and it was literally fighting for every inch of ground. And I believe, if I remember correctly, I think it was, it was called Operation Cobra. They finally decided, we've got to find a way to break through where we are. And eventually they amassed enough of, a, of, a, of, a, of an ability that finally they were able to break out of where they are. And instead of counting their progress by feet, they started to begin to count their progress by miles. Instead of fighting for every inch of ground, now they were being able to make up 10 and sometimes even 20 miles in a day because they got out of that initial bogged down place and I'm sitting there today and I, I don't like I don't, I don't 
preach about history because I know some of you, it's a snooze fest. I get it. But I'm sitting there today and I'm just kind of meditating. I take a little nap and I'm sitting there this afternoon. I'm sitting at my at the table and I'm, I've got my computer. I'm meditating. And, and I, the Lord just kind of kind of put it on me. And this, 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 this thought came, breakthrough. And I'm thinking, you know, breakthrough. I always think breakthrough is like a personal thing. I'm just going to come down. I'm going to shout and get my breakthrough. I didn't like, wait, wait, no, no, no. We're not, that's not what God, and I must meditate. And the Lord, I know, I know it's hard to believe, but the Lord brought that back to me. God forbid the Lord use history. And God brought that back to me. And can I be honest with you? Last year, almost a year ago now, we are 11 months into this. We're almost to the year mark. We established a beachhead. We came and we landed and we established a beachhead. We showed up and we decided we are here. We did not come just to start another church. We did not here to just have another church among every other church. But we came here to establish a spiritual stronghold. We came here to establish the kingdom and the manifestation of the kingdom. That doesn't mean we're better than anybody else. That doesn't mean they're doing anything wrong. But we came with an attitude. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by His Spirit. And we stuck our flag in the ground. And we declared the devil that we are here. And we're declaring war on your territory. And we showed up. And we began to see victory. But can I... Get to you just to understand a little bit. For the last little while, we have been fighting for feet. We have been fighting from field to field. When we first got here, we had a great victory and we saw God do great things. But right now we're in the middle of everything we do is a fight. Can I be honest with you? And I'm not talking about people. So don't walk out of here and get all huffy and puffy. I was picking on you. But right now, everything that's happening is a fight. To get people to worship is a fight. To get people to pray is a fight. To get people to show up to church is a fight. And I'm not talking about people for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and power it's not people that's the problem but there's a spirit that's trying to get a hold of us that says listen I don't care that you showed up on the beach but you're not going any farther And for the last little while, can I be honest with you? I'm just going to be just totally, totally straight. And I'm not talking about you as an individual. Please, if you get offended, you're getting offended on your own. It's not because what I'm saying, you got bigger problems. But right now, it is a fight for every inch. It's a fight. And I know some of you are getting sick and tired of hearing us say, come on, let's go farther. Come on, let's do that. But we have a choice. If we stay where we are, we will get pushed back into the sea. But we have not come just to establish a beachhead. But we've got a bigger objective that's ahead of us. God has not called us here to set camp on the shore. God has not put us here just so that we can have good church. And right now, this is a fight. It's a fight. But we're not fighting against you, but there's a spirit that's trying to sneak back in here and is using flesh to, as an open door that says, okay, we've done it, but we've gone far enough. We've gone this far, but off we've done enough we need a break but I'm telling you tonight we don't need a break but we need a breakthrough now is not the time that we say we've done enough now is not the time that we said we worshiped enough now is not the time that we say we prayed enough but now is the time that we reach down and say now we've got to give it more than we've ever given it before Amen. 
If I've worshipped before, I'm going to worship greater than I've ever done before. If I've prayed before, I'm going to another level of prayer. If I've fasted and reached for God before, I'm going greater. Now is not the time for us to take a break. Flesh says, we say, okay, come on, aren't we doing enough? Aren't we doing enough, preacher? Aren't we, aren't we giving enough? Aren't we doing enough? And again, I'm not speaking to the human side of it. We all get tired. We all get fatigued. I get tired. I get fatigued. I wake up sometimes on Sunday morning, alarm clock goes off. Usually my wife gets up. She gets up before me. And usually Sunday morning comes sometimes and it's like, ooh. It's early on Sunday to be getting up. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not talking about the, the, the flesh part of it, okay? We all have fatigue. But there's another side to this. That when that flesh part gets tired, because we all get tired. We all get tired. That that voice gets in and says, you know what? I think, every, I think we're doing enough. And then the attitude starts to climb in that, okay, we're doing enough. Listen, we're coming to church twice on Sunday. Now we're doing outreach, and now we're doing Bible study, and now we're coming together on Thursday, and now you're having prayer on Saturday, and now we've got to go do this on Sunday. And you say, okay, I can't do this. It's too much. I need a break, but you don't need a break. I don't mean that to be negative. I don't mean that to be critical. I'm not trying to kick you when you're down. But now is not the time for us to take a break. Now is the time that we reach down in our spiritual gas tank. And we say now is the time where my faith has got to be pushed to the limit. Where I've got to reach down and say, God, whatever you've got to do, however you've got to do it. Because if we can do that, if we can allow ourselves not to get bogged down because right now we're in a fight and we're in a fight. It is a fight. Every week right now is a fight. My goodness, it's a fight. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just keeping it real. My goodness, it's a fight to get people here. It's a fight to get people worshiping. It's a fight to get God. It's just a fight. And we're in it. It feels like, my Lord, sometimes it's just great to go home and say, praise God, we just at least got through that. But we're in that right now. That's where we are. But that doesn't mean we stay where we are. Because we are going to get to the point where we are not going to measure our success by the one and the two. But if we keep pushing and we keep believing and we keep trusting and we keep asking, telling God and keep walking in the spirit and not by what we see but what we know in the spirit, there's going to be a time where we stop counting by the ones and the twos but we start counting by the tens and the twenties. I get it, I get it, I get it. We have, life is going on, life doesn't stop. I get it. Life happens, things happen, things go on. Life happens, you got bad days, you got good days. I'm not talking about all that. There's days you feel like praying. There's days you feel as far away from God as you can. There's days you feel like you're sitting on the throne room of heaven. There's days you feel like you are swimming through the lava fields of hell. I get it. But the answer to that is not to take a break. The answer to that is not, I need a break. The answer to that is, I need a breakthrough. I need a breakthrough. I'm not satisfied with just fighting where I am. But I know if I don't win this fight, I'll get pushed back into the sea. I try to remember this. I, I forgot. I don't know who it was. One, one, one part of history. Someone may remember the story. There was some, some invading army. Uh, I don't know which particular one. It was it, it, which one it was. But some particular invading army, when they arrived on the shore, the the king or the leader, I forgot who it was, burned all of the ships. Burned them all. 
because he wanted to send a message to his army. If you think we're going to escape the same way we got here, the only way out is forward. And can I say to you today, there's only one way for us to go, and that is forward. And you know what? It's going to challenge our flesh. It's going to challenge our commitment. It's going to challenge our strength. It's going to challenge our, our spiritual stamina. But there is no other way out of this but forward. But I can tell you today, I feel it in the Holy Ghost. It won't be like this always. Yes, it might be a struggle right now. Yes, it might be a fight where we are right now. But I know that God has a plan and a purpose and a victory that's waiting if we would just keep believing and keep fighting. And when we come and we don't feel like worshiping, that's the time we need to worship better. If we come to church and we don't feel like saying amen, that's the time we need to stand up our feet and shout with a loud voice, amen, 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 amen. Now is not the time to look to the preacher or the preachers or the singers or the song leaders or the worshipers. It's not time to look at them and say, okay, you lead us. But it's time for all of us together to say, you know what? We're in this together. Watch what happens. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I get to, I need to lock these things in. I get too excited. Watch what happens. Elijah, 2 Kings 19, 1 Kings 19, burns his way out. He burns the bridges. He's got nothing to go back to. He killed his oxen, burned the stuff, the instruments for the oxen, and got rid of all that. He had nothing to go back to. And he follows Elijah. And finally, few chapters after that, 2 Kings chapter 2, it says this, verse 1, And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into the heavenly, into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elijah said, As the Lord lives and your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets were, who were at Bethel came out to Elijah and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from you over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please. For the Lord has sent me on to Jericho, Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please. So the Lord sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he answered, yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, please. So the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on, and 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while they, the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, and it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was, when they had crossed over, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I may do before you, before I am taken away from you. And Elisha said, Please let me let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. I want you to notice for a moment there, there was a progression of stations that Elijah went and everywhere he went, Elisha went with him. It was Gilgal, then Bethel, and Bethel to Jericho, and Jericho to the Jordan. Gilgal is not a translated word, but it's a transliteration. Meaning a translation is where they take a Hebrew word or Greek word and they translate it into 
the English, but a transliteration is when they take the Hebrew Greek word and they literally just transliterate that into the English language. But in the Hebrew, the word Gilgal, get, uh, there it is. The word Gilgal in the Hebrew is related to the word Galal, which means to roll. And Galal is often used, or Galal is often used to refer to rolling heavy objects such as stones. So in Hebrew, the related word Gilgal means a wheel or circle or something that rolls. It seems to refer to a circle of stones or to a circular altar. Therefore, it's a place where you go into a holding power pattern while you face your altar. It's a place that you face yourself. There's other places, and I don't have, I'm not going to go into it. I got it here. There's other places of Gilgal and the significance of Gilgal and the people of God went to Gilgal. But Gilgal is a place where you face your flesh. And you get into a holding pattern as you face your flesh. And God deals with the things of your flesh, your will, your way, the things of your past, your shape, the things that are in you, the place of your flesh. Gilgal becomes that holding pattern. And you will hold in that place until you get to the point where you're willing to face some things in your flesh. But as you are willing to face some things in your flesh, the next place you get to is the place of Bethel. Bethel being the house of God. Bethel being an abiding place where God is. The the house, the, the abiding place of God. It's the presence of God abiding with you. Because when you're able to get past your flesh, you're able to step into a realm where God can abide with you. Because the Bible says, no flesh will glory in his presence. Do you know why some of you only feel God when you're here? Is because when you leave here, your flesh is in control. It doesn't get any deeper than that. And because your flesh is in control, God cannot abide with you. His presence cannot manifest because no, his presence cannot mix with the carnality of your flesh. The Bible says a carnal mind is enmity against God. And so God has to deal with your carnality. And carnality does not just simply mean mean sin. We often think of carnality as just being sinfully. Well, I don't think of dirty thoughts and I don't think bad thoughts and I'm not doing that. I'm not carnal. No, carnal does not mean sinful. Carnal means fleshly. The word carnal comes from the word root word carn, where we get the word carnivorous, which is meat eating. It means that everything you do is based off the desires of your flesh. Every decision you make, you based off of your senses. What you think, what you think is the best. When you live that way, you are actually living in enmity as an enemy of God. Because God doesn't always do things that match with what feels good in our flesh. And so God has to put us in a place where we got to be willing. And you don't just pass that place one time and it's over. Just in case you think. If you live for God, it seems like it's a yearly retreat. Okay? Some people go to Disney. Some people go to OC. Other people go somewhere else. Believers, we go to Gilgal. Because our flesh always seems to want to get back in control. And if we're not careful, even us, those of us who come here on a weekly basis, we can come in here and be spiritually minded. But when we walk out those doors, our flesh takes over. And everything we do and everything we think and every way we act is based on our flesh. And that's why it's hard to come in here and get out of that mode. So we come in here and we think, okay, sing something I like, preach something I like, do something I like. We don't mean that, but when we live that way six days a week, it's hard to get out of it on day seven. And so God forces us and puts us in situations to deal with our flesh. 
to deal with the things of our flesh. And that's why some of you go through what you're going through because in that time of you're going through and the situations you're going through, God is using those difficulties and trials to deal with your flesh. And that's why you can pray. But nothing changes. It's not because God's not listening. Because the work's not finished. You're praying for an escape. You're not praying, God, what are you trying to do with me in this middle of this? What are you trying to show me? You want the way out. But God said, I can't get you out of the oven until everything that's in you has been cooked long enough. So you're going to have to stay in the fire because there's some more impurities that have got to come out of you. But when you finally get to that point where you're able to put your flesh down and you're able to get past the flesh, then God can say, now I'm going to let you step into my house. You can't step into my house if you want to bring flesh. You can't step into my house if you want to do it your way. But when you finally get to the altar and you're able to put your flesh down and you say, Lord, not my will but thine be done, I'm going to show you my house. I'm going to show you where I live. I'm going to let you come in and abide with me. But you go from that into Jericho and Jericho is a place of battle Jericho is a place of war Jericho is a place of fight Jericho is a place and they say you know I've heard this said before about boxing they said everybody has a plan when they get in the ring until they get hit in the face everybody thinks I'm going to do this and that and I'm going to punch this way until you get knocked in the face and then all the plan goes out the window and in the middle of a battle, everybody, boy, I'm going to bring the devil on. Woo, bring the devil. I'm, come on, bring the devil on until you get knocked in the face. And next thing you know, I don't know if I, I, don't know if I want to pray anymore. I don't know if I want. <laughs> you better be careful what you say. Boy, you get bold in church. Boy, you get the Holy Ghost in here and you'll say anything. Boy, I'm telling you what, the devil doesn't know what he's messing with. When I leave this place, he's, I'm going to take him Monday morning. Ba-bow! Woo! Woo! But you go from dealing with your flesh to abiding in the house of God. And when I say the house of God, I'm not talking about coming together like this. But I'm talking about where God is, where he abides, where you can fellowship with him, where you can get up in the morning, he's there. And you go to bed at night, he's there. And not just something you experience when you come into a church building, but it's something that's with you 24-7, 365 days of the year. It never leaves you, but his presence is always with you. But out of that, guess what? There comes a place where you've got to fight. You've got to get in the fight. You've got to decide, you know what? We've got to get in the fight. And can I be honest with you? We're a little bit in that place because in order to come here, in order to do all this, it didn't appeal to the flesh. Let's be honest. Look, we've done awesome. We have done amazing. But come on, putting carpets down, chairs down, seats down. After a while, it doesn't appeal to the flesh. Antioch Central, they don't have to do that. Antioch North, they don't have to do that. We got to set up all this stuff. We got to take it all down. But you know what? Can I be honest with you? It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Maybe when we get a building, we might just break up and set down. Because let's be honest, when you don't have to do that, you don't have to invest anything. It's been awesome. I got to be honest with you. It's been awesome to see people participating and taking down at the end of service. And we've got ladies. The ladies are the ones that roll in the tables. It's awesome to see that. I don't mean that to be negative against the ladies. Lord Jesus, I know we're living in a feminine, feminism time frame. We don't need no woman march next Sunday. Back it down in Jesus' name. Don't wear red. Was it red, right? The color of women, whatever that nonsense is. 
But we've seen women participate and all that, and we're joining together, and it's, we're doing this. And you know what? It's a flesh check. Every time it's a flesh check. It's a flesh check to do that. And then we've been focusing over the last little while, over the, especially for the last few months, we've been focusing about abiding His presence. That's been the theme of coming and coming together and not going through the motions, but coming together and having the presence of God flow through us and in us and be a part of us. And now we're getting to that point again. It's not a call to war thing, but it's a different type of fight. Now we're getting to that point now where we're in a little bit of a struggle, a little bit of a fight, a little bit of a way to say we've gone far enough, we've done enough. It's time to back down. It's time to put it back in first gear. It's time to come off the gas pedal. We've done enough, but we're in Jericho. But what we don't realize is from Jericho, there's Jordan. And Jordan is a place of transition. A Jordan is a place where you go from one dimension to another. You go from the flesh to abiding in his presence to the fight. But if you can get through those stages, then you go to the place of transition. And when you get to Jordan, there's a double portion that's waiting. Where God's not trying to do an old thing. We're not trying to go back to the 80s. We're not trying to go back to the 70s. But God wants to do a new thing. I got to be honest with you. Bishop Wright would say, as awesome as things used to be, we don't want to just repeat what God did before. If we're just repeating what God did before, that's pretty sad. Because the Bible says greater works. I'm looking for the greater works. I'm looking at what God did as the foundation to what God's going to do. Not to repeat what God did. But if we just stay where we are and we say we've done enough and we've pushed enough, then we will miss out. But if there is an attitude, it's not a prayer meeting. It's not coming down here and this ain't going to do it. You may burn some calories on your Fitbit, but that's all you're going to get. We always want to shout our way. Literally. We just want to shout it through. We go shout, "Woo! I feel good. I feel good. Yeah, there it is. Woo! I feel it. I feel it." And we just go home hot and sweaty, and we wake up Monday morning, and it's still the same. I mean, my God, I'm all for shouting. I'm all for dancing. I'm all for getting down with Jesus. But let's be honest: if that was the answer, some of you would be walking on streets of gold. You'd be so spiritual. I'm not saying stop what you're doing, but I'm not saying that just can't be our go-to move. Boy, he said, we're going to break through. Watch out. I'm about to break it out. No, that's not the answer, but there's got to be a decision. And it's not a Sunday decision. It's a Monday decision, a Tuesday decision, a Wednesday decision, a Thursday in the middle of the day, a Friday afternoon, a Saturday decision that says, I refuse to go back, but I am going forward. Now is not the time to take a break. Now is not the time for us to give into our flesh. Now is not for a time for us to take the easy way out. Now is not the time for us to find the convenient way. But now is the time that we say, God, whatever you've got to do, however you've got to do it, whenever you've got to do it, we're desperate for a breakthrough. said it before, I'll say it again. We want a full-time God on a part-time salary. We want God to be with us full-time, but we want to give God part-time. And I'll be honest with you, what we're asking and believing for will not come by giving God part-time. But it will come from a group of people. Not everybody's going to make the trip. I get it. I can already start to feel in my spirit sort of the breaking, the line. We talked about this in, our, in, our, in, a, in, a, in a leadership meeting a few, few, few days ago. We're starting to see, I feel it in my spirit. There's a line that's starting to come. And I begin to feel a separation. There are some that are going to be willing to take the trip. And there's others that are only going to be spectators. But at this point in time, can I be honest with you? We've waited for you long enough. 
Some are only going to be able to believe when they see. But there's a group of us that are willing to say, God, we've sat and believed long enough. We want to see God do something. And if that means I've got to push a little longer, I'm going to push. If that means I've got to go a little farther, then I'm going to go a little farther. If that means I've got to just be committed a little more, that's what I'm going to do. Because I know there's a breakthrough coming. There's a breakthrough coming. Can I tell you in the Holy Ghost, we cannot stop. We cannot get discouraged. We cannot get frustrated. We cannot come and just go through the motions and say, well, it's a struggle today. Let's just go through the motions. No, we've got to press through because if we keep doing it, I believe in the Holy Ghost with all my being that there is a breakthrough coming. When is it coming, Brother Wright? It may be here next week. It may be here the week after. I don't know, but I know it's coming. And what does that mean? That means it may be the next prayer meeting. It may be the next Sunday. It may be the next Thursday. It may be the next Saturday. It may be whenever. But we've got to keep pressing. We've got to keep believing. We've got to keep going forward. It's not the time for us to do less. It's actually the time for us to do more. I know. I know. I can feel it. It's already getting hot. It's already starting to warm up. Summer's coming. I can begin to feel the draw. The summer draw starting to creep in. And you know what? It's coming. And nowhere to stress about it, fight over it. But can I be honest with you? It ain't here yet. It'll be here. You'll get your vacation. Your trip to Disney World ain't going anywhere. You'll get it. Your OC trip, your trip to the mountains. Maybe you just drive around a circle. I don't know what it is. It's going to be here. But we've got to stay connected, stay focused. We can't just say, well, it's May. Let's just get through May and let's cripple through June and then we'll pick it back up in September. No, 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 no. We can't do that. We can't do that. We're in a critical time in a critical place where I feel like we have we can either be pushed back to the beach. And when June 5th rolls around, we'll be settling our, celebrating our first year anniversary from the same place we were a year ago. Woo! And we can say, well, we've survived a year. I'm not here to survive a year. We're not setting up and breaking down to survive a year. We're not doing what we do. And some of you are driving. Now we've got people. We've got, we got uh, 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 brothers and sisters now that are driving from the eastern shore. Brother and sister Tromley, brother and sister Height, they, they, they drive from the shore to get here. It takes them, brother Tromley, 50 minutes-ish without traffic. Brother and sister Height, 45, 50 minutes without traffic. We got others of you that are, other of, others of you that are driving. That's a lot of effort just to have what we always have. That's a lot of effort. That's a lot of gas. That's a lot of fuel. That's a lot of wear and tear. And they're not the only ones. I'm just using them. They're not the only ones. There's a lot of you that are doing other things to get here. I'm not just saying, putting them, I'm, I'm just using them. So back downs. Whew. God, help us. Start calling names and people just start getting... Woo! Hallelujah. That's not what I'm saying. My point is we're, we're, we're going through that effort. You, you actually, you know, you guys, how long does it take you to get here? You live in Virginia, basically. My God, what are you, how long? Only 45 minutes from an hour to get to seven. Brother, sister, I went to Tino and Eunice Owens. They live almost in Virginia. I mean, it's like they live somewhere down in southern Maryland down there, they have to cross three ponds, six lakes, and eight rivers. Take two ferries and a canoe. My goodness, Jesus. They live so far down there. You, I mean, you got, that's one of those things when they go to the store, they, they go to town. It's, it's a trial, isn't it? My goodness. Goodness gracious. Well, we got God. We, we're doing all this stuff. It's not worth all of this. To just say, okay, we've done enough. 
We have got to, we're getting to the point now where we're at that critical point that we can allow this, 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 and it's only been here for a couple months, but I, you can feel it. Just, it's there. It's underlying, but it's there. For the last couple months, it's sort of been this little bit of a spirit that is starting to creep in that says, okay, all right, okay, easy, easy there, big fella. We're doing enough. Easy there, easy there. Okay, God, all right, all right. Okay, chill out. We're coming. We're here. Okay, give us some, give us some slack. It's sort of a little bit of that, and it's not a human thing. Don't get all puffy and puffy. God, it's a spirit that's starting to work and starting to creep in. And we cannot give in to that. It's good, it's, 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 it's still the truth whether you agree with it or not. We cannot give in to that. And now more than ever, it's not the time for us to back down. It's the time for us to go forward. When you are about to make a break through the enemy lines, you don't recruit less soldiers. You get more soldiers. Now is not the time for us to have less. Now is the time for us to gather more. Now is not the time for us to do a little bit. Now is the time for us to do greater. Now is not the time for us to play five minutes, but now it's time for us to pray until something happens. Now is not the time for us to do a one song, hallelujah, Let's get on to something else. But now it's time for us to worship until God shakes this place. Now it's not the time for us to give a 10-minute message. But now it's time for us to preach until God begins to stir the hearts and minds of people. Now it's not the time for us to give out 5C or 10C. But now it's time for us to sow by the thousands and, yea, even by the tens of thousands. Not time for a break, but time for a breakthrough. Not time to quit, but time to break through. Not time to give in to the fatigue, give in to the, to the temptation to say, okay, I'm doing enough. But now is the time to reach down and say, okay, I'm going to give more than I've ever given before. And if I do that and you do that and the next person next to you do that, when more of us start to do that, then all of a sudden now, instead of just measuring our success by inches, we're going to begin to measure it by feet and then by yards and then by the mile and then by the tens of miles because we will not stay here forever. We will not stay here forever. Would you stand with me tonight? Tonight is not a night for an altar call. Tonight is not a night for us to jump around and sing. Are there altar calls good? Absolutely. Singing great? Yes, it is. But now is not the tight time for us to respond emotionally. Now is the time for us to simply make a decision. We're going forward. It's simply time for us to make a choice tonight. And it's as simple as that. It's not some deep, spooky, mystical, prophetic word. It's simply a choice. We're going forward. We're going forward. We're casting down every thought. We're casting down every spirit. We're casting down everything that would try to creep in our mind that tried to say, okay, this is enough. And we're going to rebuke those things out of our minds. Re- cast those things down. And we're saying, God, we're going forward. It's simple as that. Tonight's about making a choice. Turn to your neighbor and ask him, say, are you going forward? Tell him, tonight's the night. Make a choice. Tell him, say, I'm going forward. Would you join me? We're going forward. The only way out is forward. The only way through is ahead. There is no backward plan. You can't get more by doing less. 
Oh, I'm going to say that again. You need to hear that. You can't get more by doing less. You can't get great outpouring by praying less. You can't get great harvest by sowing less. You can't see the great supernatural by having less. You say, aren't, does that mean we're trying to earn it? No. That's why God takes you to Gilgal to beat that out of you. Because you can't earn it. But yet, it doesn't come free. It doesn't come free. Let's just lift our hands to heaven right now. Let's just tell the Lord that. Come on. You tell him that. You speak it out of your mouth. God, whatever it takes, I'm going forward. Tell God that. Tell him, say, God, whatever it takes, whatever you've got to do, I'm going forward. There's an old song we used to sing, I'm going through, I'm going through, I don't care what the rest of the world decides to do, I made up my mind, I ain't going to turn around, I'm walking with Jesus, and I'm going through. That's our attitude tonight, we're going through, we're going through. We are going through. Oh, we're, I thought I said we're not going to sing, but we're not singing. We're declaring. Let's just declare that. I'm going through. Oh, I'm going through. Say, I don't care what the rest of the world decides to do. I made up my mind that I ain't going to turn around. Walking with Jesus and I'm going to go through. Say it like this. Say, I'm going through. I'm going through. Say it like this. Say, I don't care what the rest of the church decides to do. I made up my mind that I ain't going to turn around. I'm walking with Jesus and I'm going to go through. Say it now. I'm going through. I'm going through. And I don't care what the rest of the world decides to do. I made up my mind that I ain't going to turn around. I'm walking with Jesus and I'm going to go through one more time. I'm going through. I'm going through. Oh, and I don't care what the rest of the world decides to do. I've made up my mind that I ain't going to turn around. I'm walking with Jesus and I'm going to go through. If you believe that tonight, would you just lift your voice and give him praise? If that's your declaration tonight, I'm going through. Praise God. Praise God. We're going to do one more thing here before we finish. She walked out. We're just going to wait. I'll just tell you what we're going to do. And she, she took a, a moment. Sister Mallory is leaving. She is going to be going to uh, uh, South Korea for uh, two weeks. And she has asked for us to pray with her. And specifically for two things. Pray first and foremost that the Lord would use her. She, she's going to go over there and she's going to uh, witness and talk to her family about God. And uh, believing for God to work in their life. And also the second thing is to pray for the Lord's hand to be upon her. If you've read or heard anything in the news. You know that the tensions in that part of the world are growing every day. And so we're going to pray specifically for her in those two areas. That God's hand would be upon her. And that the Lord would use her. And that uh, the Lord's hand of protection would be upon her. Amen. In fact, you know what? Let's do this before she gets here uh, as a part of this. Uh, we're going to pray. Uh, I don't even know specifically what to pray. We're just going to pray and let and just trust the Lord and give him the Lord's hand. That this whole entire situation that's going on. There's Sister Mallory. Sister Mallory, would you come down here? We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for her with this thing. And also as we do this, we're going to pray the situation and uh, in, in that's going on over there. The Lord knows and the tensions that are mounting in that area, things that are going on, it's serious business, folks. It's not a joke. 
Uh, it's not media hype and all that kind of stuff. It's real deal, and we need God. We need God. There's, uh, there's, there's. It's serious business, life and death stuff. So we're gonna get some ladies that would come down and pray for Sister Mallory and those of you else of you. Let's join together, not just for Sister Mallory, but let's join together right now, just for the entire situation for both, both countries, North Korea, South Korea. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we speak right now over our sister. We speak your hand over her now in Jesus' name. We loose your anointing upon her. Give her the words to say and the wisdom and the words to say to speak your word with boldness and confidence. That fruit would be birthed in the name of Jesus. We loose your hand of protection and your angels to be upon her to protect her as she travels in Jesus' name. And Lord, you know the situation. You know what's going on. You know the tensions that are mounting in that area. But God, you are the supreme commander. You're the supreme ruler. You're the great I am, and we speak now the name of Jesus to be made manifest. We speak the kingdom to be made manifest. Let your will be done. Let your will be accomplished. Whatever that may be, God, we speak your will to be done. In the name of Jesus. 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 Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Let's give the Lord thanks and praise. Praise God. Amen. And I'm sure if the Lord places her name on your heart over the next couple of weeks, I'm sure she would appreciate you praying for her. Amen. God bless you. The chairs need to be taken up. Carpets need to be taken up.